Section 6 of Journal of the Rev. Francis Asbury, Volume 3. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Brian Keenan. Wednesday 20. At Wilmington I found not matters altogether as I could wish, neither temporally nor spiritually. In both these relations had the African Church been willed to my care. Another relation I preserved by the appointment of African stewards. Anne Snethen preached on Second Corinthians 1, 3, 4. I gave a discourse upon, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, etc. Anne Snethen again held forth. His subject was First John 4, 4. Friday 22. We came to Topsail, and dined with Mrs. Campbell, a gracious soul, and so also is her daughter. Thence we went forward to the widow Spicer's, and arrived about an hour in the night. The sands were heavy, and our horses began to fail greatly. Saturday 23 We rode up to New River, where we found Lot Ballard out among the woods, with his own and his father's old mansion moved together. Want of shoes, rest, and food had almost done over my little mare. Sabbath 24 Anne Snethen spoke upon Romans 8, 6, 7. I gave an exhortation upon John 5, 39, 40. It was not at all agreeable to me to see nearly a hundred slaves standing outside and peeping in at the door whilst the house was half empty. They were not worthy to come in, because they were black. Farewell, farewell to that house forever. I have close communion with God. If we spare our lungs, yet must we work our bones and our flesh with riding. We lodged at B. Wilder's. Next day we came along through the rain to Mr. Hargate's, near the head of Trent River. Tuesday, 26. We arrived in Newburn. Our evening lecture by Ensnethan was upon Psalm 51. Against thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. He again spoke on Thursday, and on Friday evening also. I concluded each meeting with prayer. We were crowded every night. I judged it needful to make some temporal and spiritual arrangements for the society in Newburn that a traveling preacher shall attend every Sabbath, is one. Newburn is a trading, growing town. There are seven hundred or a thousand houses already built, and the number is yearly increased by less or greater additions, among which are some respectable brick edifices. The new courthouse, truly so, neat and elegant. Another famous house, said to be designed for the Masonic and theatrical gentlemen, it might make a most excellent church. The population of the town, citizens, and transient persons may amount to 3,500 or 4,000 souls. Sabbath Day 31 Cold and Cloudy I gave a sermon upon Romans 2, 7, 8. And Snethan spoke from Hebrews 13, 16. And in the evening on 1 John 4, 10, 11. We made a public collection which amounted to nearly sixty dollars. 
and parted from our brethren, whom we left full of good resolutions to finish the house of God. The African Methodists also were about to build a place of worship. Truly we are encouraged. Our own people are stirred up, and judges, counselors, doctors, and ministers attended our preaching, and appeared to be pleased. May they be profited, and finally saved. We had a severe ride to Washington, thirty-five miles, crossing Noose and Tar Rivers. Near the end of our ride the rain quickened our pace, and drove us in about five o'clock to the hospitable shelter of Ralph Potts, of Elmwick, Northumberland, where we had all things richly to enjoy. Tuesday, February 2. Considering the inclemency of the day, we had a very respectable congregation to hear us. Who can tell what God will do for these people? At our evening meeting, many attended. The subject spoken from was Luke 14, 26. Wednesday 3. We came up to Blanks and stopped a while, and then pushed on to Brother Perry's. It was a solitary ride. Our host is one of our local ministry in Pitt County. I judged it highly expedient that Roanoke and Pamlico circuits should be divided, and that Washington should have Sabbath preaching every week. It is a growing town of one hundred houses, and there is a good house for public worship. Thursday 4. We came to Garrett Tool's plantation, but the bird was flown. Our old friend had removed to Franklin County for his health. We stayed with Mr. Davidson, the steward of his estate. Friday 5. At Tarboro, we held our meeting in the neat new chapel. And Snethan spoke upon, This day is salvation come to this house. The groundwork of my discourse was, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. I said but few words. We dined with Mr. Guion, and lodged with Mr. Bellamy. We rejoiced in hope that Tarboro and Halifax will yet hear and receive the gospel. H. Bradford hath been preaching in the latter, and Brother Bellamy in the former, with some success. We attended at Prospect Hill. It was an exceedingly cold day, as need be. I only exhorted after Ensnethan had described the new creature in Christ Jesus. We fed our horses, and ourselves ate in the woods, and then went forward to Henry Bradford's. My soul is continually stayed upon, and comforted in God. But it is not needful to tell all my outward difficulties and inward sufferings. Heaven will make up for all, and then we shall know all we wish and wait to know. Sabbath 7. Was a very cold and cloudy day. We held our meeting in the dwelling house, and filled both rooms. And Snethan spoke on 2 Timothy 2, 11-13. My text was 2 Peter 3, 17, 18. Monday 8. We crossed Roanoke at Pollock's Ferry, and came to Richard Whittaker's. We had no appointment at Rehoboth, but on Tuesday we called a meeting. And Snethan spoke on Philippians 2, 5. I followed from Matthew 5, 8. 
At Anthony Moore's we called a meeting, where each of us delivered our testimony, and then rode on to Mr. Peoples. Here the presiding elder made an appointment, by including it with others, but of this there was no notice given, except by our coming into the neighborhood the evening before. We would not neglect our duty, but at Malone's we faithfully, according to the grace and time given, discharged our task, and rode on. Virginia, Brunswick County We had a cold, damp ride to Matthew Myrick's. On Friday we preached at Dromirec New Meeting House. Ann Snethen spoke, and I followed. At Woolsey Meeting House, Ann Snethen preached. I only exhorted. I called upon Dr. Sims, who cut a small wart from my hand, and applied the caustic. My right foot was also wounded, by a splinter of lightwood, perhaps. Sunday 14. We attended at Hicksford, alias Belfield. In the academy we had a large congregation of the rich and the poor, to whom Ensnethan preached from Deuteronomy 32, 29. I also spoke on Luke 19.10. We lodged at Miss Jenny Fisher's. Ensnethan preached, I only exhorted, at Peter Pelham's. Of the children of this family I could say many favorable things, but ah, they are not converted. Tuesday 16. At Hobbs Meeting House, Ensnethan spoke on Romans 8, 12, 13. My portion of the word was Hebrews 2, 3. At Merritt's Chapel, Ensnethan spoke on Recompense no man evil for evil. I followed on Hebrews 6, 11, 12. We rode home with John Easter and made our ride thirty miles, nearly a day's journey. The inflammation from the operation on my hand was attended with pain. I kept it down by bread and milk poultice and applied spirits of turpentine to assuage the effects of the caustic. We have been received with great affection by our local brethren, Drumgould, J. Ellis, H. Saunders, A. Brown, J. Easter, and H. Merritt. But the traveling preachers and presiding elders keep at their work. We seldom see them as we travel two and two. My soul is very solemn. On Thursday at John Easter's, we had many people for the day and place. Anne Snethen always speaks first. My text was Hebrews twelve twenty-five. Friday 19 was a cold day at Peter Robinson's, Dinwiddie County, yet many attended. I saw my old friend, the weeping widow Jarrett. My text was James 1, 22. Henry Reese... John Easter, John Jones, and Samuel S. Stewart, preachers, were present. We had a gracious season. Saturday 20. At May's Meeting House, Nottoway County, I preached from Acts 2, 42. The day was unpleasant. We came back to P. Robinson's. Sunday 21. It began to rain as we set out. We rode into Brunswick again to John Rogers's. He is an old Jaredite Methodist. 
a few attended in the dwelling-house, to whom Ensnethan first spoke on the common salvation. I followed on Hebrews 2, 1. We had not a rapid, mountain-like rain and a hard lodging, but a warm house and a good bed, fit for a president. It rained freely in the night. We heard but did not feel it. On Monday we had a snowstorm. Yet with a few hours' notice, several came out to Thomas Jordan's. I hope not in vain. My subject was Hebrews 4, 15, 16. By computation, we have filled up 2,500 miles to Thomas Jordan's. On Tuesday we rested. My hand was inflamed, and the weather was cold. Wednesday 24. At May's we found a small appointment had been made for the circuit preacher. I spoke upon Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 I sent for Dr. Asa Barnes, who probed the wound in my hand, and prepared a sublimated plaster, which brought on a discharge in twenty-four hours. I give him credit for his skill and friendship. On our route to Charles Ogburn's on Thursday, we crossed Meharon on a low bridge, whilst the water in places flowed over the planks. Next day I spoke on Faith, Hope, and Charity, and on Saturday at Zion Chapel on Examine Yourselves Whether Ye Be in the Faith. Sunday 28 at Salem Monday, March 1 we began and held close conference four days, and had preaching each day. Bruce, Lee, Jackson, and Snethen were our speakers, and there was a shaking among the people. Seven deacons and one elder were ordained. I was well pleased with the stations, as far as they went, but Portsmouth, Bertie, Roanoke, Haw River, Guildford, and Salisbury should each have had an additional preacher if we had them. Yea, Petersburg, Hanover, Williamsburg, and Richmond also. But the Lord hath not sent them, and how can we make them? There was great strictness observed in the examination of the preacher's characters. Some were reproved before the conference for their lightness and other follies. Friday 5. We rode to Peter Weich's, and next day called upon Jane Fisher in our way to Jones's. Sabbath 7 At Jones's chapel I preached on Psalm 124, 1-2. Ah, where is the Lord God of Elijah, the God who once answered him with power, with fire? Monday 8 At Pennington's and Snethen preached, I only exhorted. We came in haste to Briggs to see the children. The dear parents had both died in the space of one week. At Lane's Chapel next day, Ensnethan and myself both preached. My subject was Psalm 42, 5. It is remarkable that these words are repeated thrice, like Peter's vision. Wednesday 10 we came to Joseph Moody's, Isle of Wight County. Our appointment had not reached this place. Next day we proceeded to Suffolk, 
and arrived in the evening at the house of our dear friends, Mr. and Mrs. Yerbury, who received us with great affection. The house was small, and we had a dripping evening, which kept some back. My subject was Exodus twenty twenty-four. Since my last visit, they have collected money and materials to build a chapel, which will be shortly raised. Friday 12. We rode down through wet woods and a damp day to Portsmouth, resting and refreshing on our route at David M. Kesey's on the middle ground. In the evening, and Snethen preached on, for we walk by faith and not by sight. On Saturday evening it was my turn. I spoke on James 1, 22. Sabbath 14. As the wind was high, I thought Ensnethen might as well speak at Norfolk in the morning, and myself at Portsmouth. My text in the forenoon was Matthew 5, 8. In the afternoon, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I confined myself to experience, and there was a melting among the people. Monday 15. We came to Brother Denby's to early dinner, thence proceeded to Suffolk, where I stepped into three houses, and continued on our way to Charles Murphy's to lodge. I felt that I had injured myself by laying by one of my coats too soon. Tuesday 16. We called at Michael Murphy's and proceeded on to Blunt's Chapel. Anne Snethen gave a discourse upon brotherly love. I only exhorted, and added a narrative of the work of God. We have made up two thousand six hundred and sixty miles. My mind hath been sweetly stayed upon God, at all times, and in all places. Wednesday 17. We came sixteen miles to Dr. Bailey's, in Surrey County. And Snethen's horse was taken with a violent colic, and rolled upon the ground in great agony. He was relieved, however, by drenching with sturgeon's oil and clisters. I left the man and horse, and came on to William Birdson's. Thursday 18. I dined at Friend Nixon's, where I was kindly entertained. I left my kind host, and came on to Petersburg. Next day, by appointment, I preached John Lee's funeral sermon. My text was Philippians 2.22. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father hath he served with me in the gospel. 1. The excellency of the gospel. 2. The service of the gospel. 3. The proof of Timothy, his pious parents, his education, conviction, conversion, call, and ordination, his ministry, his obedience as a son with a father, in mutual love, in mutual confidence, and mutual services. I showed the excellency of a patriarchal or fatherly government in the church. I paralleled John Lee's character with Timothy's, in his manner of living, laboring, and death. And Snethen came up and preached at night. On Saturday we arrived at Richmond, and next day Ensnethen preached upon the Epistle to the Church of Ephesus. 
I spoke in the afternoon upon Philippians 2, 12, 13. I had a great crowd of the most impolite, spiritually impolite hearers I have seen for many months. So much for the capital of Virginia. Monday 22. We reached Carolyn, and the next day Fredericksburg. Here Ensnethan gave a discourse upon the work of righteousness, peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. I spoke upon, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. We started next day for Poik, and the day after reached William Waters's. Here we rejoiced in God together. On Wednesday evening there was a thunderstorm, which, clearing up, brought an excessively cold wind on Thursday. On Friday it snowed most of the day. Nevertheless, I rode on seven miles to Henry Foxhall's in Georgetown, where I found a shelter from the storm. I have had sore temptations, succeeded by great consolations. The want of good sleep has been a cause of suffering. Maryland, Saturday, 27. I made a general start and a steady ride to Baltimore. On the route I called in to see the widow Turner, whom I found rejoicing in the Lord. I fed at Spurrier's Tavern. It is now in other hands than formerly. Sabbath, 28. I had uncomfortable feelings, occasioned by a cold I had taken. Upon my watchtower in Light Street, I stood and delivered a message on James 5, 1920. I wrote and rested until Thursday the first day of April, when our yearly conference commenced. We went on with our business smoothly and rapidly, and had preaching each noon and evening in every Methodist house for public worship in the city. Sabbath, April 4. I administered the word in Light Street from Matthew 5, 12, in the New Chapel at Fells Point on Isaiah 56, 7. This is the neatest house, within and without, that we have in Baltimore. Alexander M. Kane hath been very attentive to the temporal and spiritual interests of the house and society. Monday 5. We had a day of fasting and humiliation for the conference, the continent, and the Church of God. I improved the occasion, and spoke from Acts 14, 23. I was presented with a new impression of my journal. It is very incorrect. Had I had an opportunity before it was put to press, I should have altered and expunged many things. The inaccuracies of grammar, and imperfections of composition incident to the hasty notices of a manuscript journal are preserved in the printed copy. On Monday evening the conference rose. All the demands of the preachers were answered. Money was advanced towards the purchase of horses. To those who had distant circuits and far to go, donations were made, and nearly two hundred dollars very liberally sent to the Monmouth Conference, which is to meet in July next. Within the circling lines of this conference, we report to this sitting an addition to the society of three thousand souls and upwards, besides those who may have died within the last eleven months. John Pawson's letter and fifty copies of a volume of sermons came safely to hand. 
his and other letters concerning the work of God, I read to my brethren. Whilst in Baltimore, I received an account of the death of my mother, which I fear is true. And here I may speak safely concerning my very dear mother. Her character to me is well known. Her paternal descent was Welsh, from a family ancient and respectable, of the name of Rogers. She lived a woman of the world until the death of her first and only daughter, Sarah Asbury. How would the bereaved mother weep and tell of the beauties and excellencies of her lost and lovely child, pondering on the past in the silent suffering of hopeless grief? This afflictive providence graciously terminated in the mother's conversion. When she saw herself a lost and wretched sinner, she sought religious people, but in the times of this ignorance, few were sound in the faith, or faithful to the grace given. Many were the days she spent chiefly in reading and prayer. At length she found justifying grace and pardoning mercy. So dim was the light of truth around her, from the assurance she found, she was at times inclined to believe in the final perseverance of the saints. For fifty years her hands, her house, her heart, were open to receive the people of God and ministers of Christ. And thus a lamp was lighted up in a dark place called Great Berry, in Great Britain. She was an afflicted yet most active woman, of quick bodily powers and masculine understanding. Nevertheless, so kindly all the elements were mixed in her, her strong mind quickly felt the subduing influences of that Christian sympathy which weeps with those who weep, and rejoices with those who do rejoice. As a woman and a wife, she was chaste, modest, blameless. As a mother, above all the women in the world would I claim her for my own, ardently affectionate. As a mother in Israel, few of her sex have done more by a holy walk to live, and by personal labor to support the gospel, and to wash the saints' feet. As a friend, she was generous, true, and constant. Elizabeth Asbury died January 6, 1802, aged 87 or 88 years. There is now, after fifty years, a chapel within two or three hundred yards of her dwelling. I am now often drawn out in thankfulness to God, who hath saved a mother of mine, and I trust a father also, who are already in glory, where I hope to meet them both, after time and cares and sorrows shall have ceased with me, and where glory shall not only beam, but open on my soul forever. Amen. Wednesday 7. I came to Perry Hall. We cannot spend more time with the rich than with the poor. So, being warned by a very fine day, we started, stopped to dine with the widow Stump, at Bush, and in the evening reached northeast. Next day was stormy, but we were safely housed with Mr. Sheridan. Saturday 10. We rode to Back Creek, and on the Sabbath day, as we were visited with a gracious rain, I improved on the subject from Isaiah 55, 10, 11. At the Manor Chapel, Brother Watco preached in the afternoon from Revelations 21, 
6. Monday 12. There were two appointments, one at the new chapel, Crossroads, and the other at the Brick Meeting House. Rather than disappoint any, we separated, I taking the former, and Brother Watcote the latter. As it was the first time of preaching in the new house, I chose Isaiah 66, 1, 2. That evening I came on to Chestertown, the wind at east, cold and damp. Tuesday 13. We had a rainy day, but we attended the house of God, noon and night. Our brethren in this town are about to build. By a train of strange persons, providences, and things, they have a place in the public square, where the market-house stood. The chapel will be in a line with the Episcopal Church. Its size, 40 by 48. Wednesday 14. The morning was very damp. I was not at all prepared for speaking. My subject was Titus 2, 2. After preaching, we rode rapidly down to Dr. Allen's. We found the doctor rapidly declining. End of section 6. Recording by Brian Keenan.